Uh, Tonight's reading is Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is God's word. Evening, everyone. My name's Scott. Uh, If we haven't met, uh, let me pray uh, as we begin to look at God's word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are indeed great and worthy to be praised, that you reign over the whole earth. Father, please, um, please expand our vision this evening. Give us eyes to see that truth, uh, that we would see what you're doing among the nations, that we would rejoice in it, and that we would play our part. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Oh man, do keep uh, Psalm 96 open uh, in front of you. I wonder, um, how do you know that the gospel is bearing fruit uh, in the world today? How do you know uh, that the gospel is bearing fruit? If, if you just look at, um, at the state of the church in the UK, I guess you could, you could be um, forgiven for thinking the gospel isn't bearing uh, a whole lot of fruit. Um, all the stats uh, show that um, uh, church attendance, Christianity, is, is sort of on the decline. Um, in the UK, fewer and fewer people are calling themselves uh, Christians. Um, just in the Church of England, there's a, is in a right mess trying to work out what the gospel even is. What is the gospel uh, that we're seeking uh, to proclaim? I guess we experience that, don't we, on a, on a more personal level? Um, maybe as we try to share the gospel with, uh, with our friends, family, colleagues. Um, I guess for many of us, the overwhelming uh, response that we get is just one of apathy. People just sort of shrug and say, well, that's, that's fine for you, uh, but not for me. Uh, that, uh, it could be pretty discouraging, isn't it? If that's all that uh, the gospel is doing in our world, um, then is it really powerful at all? But that is not all uh, the fruit that the gospel is bearing uh, in, in our world today. Across the globe, there are more Christians today than there have ever been uh, in the history of the world. And the ground may be hard in the UK, and I guess in the West um, more generally, but God is doing amazing things all across uh, the globe. That's part of the reason why we have this, um, this World Focus Sunday, to just, to just lift our eyes, remind us 
um, uh, that even though it's hard, it can be hard sometimes in the UK, uh, God is doing amazing things. And so to persevere, it's an encouragement to us uh, to keep going, to get behind that work and to keep proclaiming Christ uh, where, where he has placed us. Um, I guess uh, on this weekend, uh, more than any other, and what a great time uh, to remind ourselves of what God's plan is for the nations, uh, to bring the nations to worship before Jesus. And that's why we're looking at Psalm 96. Um, it is, uh, it's a great passage for doing that because it lifts our eyes from our little bubble and from our little part of the world and helps us see uh, what God is doing to celebrate uh, what God uh, is doing as he brings tribes and tongues and nations uh, to praise Jesus. So it is both a, a celebration um, of all that God is doing, and it's a call uh, to us, uh, urging us to get behind, to, to, to play our part in that uh, great salvation plan. If you've got a handout, if it's helpful um, to know where we're heading, we've got three sections. Uh, number one, what, what God's people should do, what the nations should do, and what creation should do. God's people should declare the Lord reigns. The nations should come and worship the one Lord, and all creation should rejoice before the Lord who will come. Uh, let's dig into it together. Firstly, then, God's people should declare the Lord reigns. Verse one, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Psalm 96 then, we're, we're jumping in, but Psalm 96 comes after. Psalm 95, good, you're still awake. Psalm 96 comes after Psalm 95. That was just a test. Half of you are asleep actually already. That's not a good sign. Psalm 95 was a call for God's people to sing. Psalm 95, God's people are, 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 are called to come. Let us sing with joy before the Lord. Uh, the focus there is on God's people. What are God's people uh, to sing? For all, they're to sing with joy for everything that God has done for them as God's people, people of Israel. Now, now in Psalm 96, um, the, the vision gets expanded. The horizon gets expanded from just the people of Israel to the ends of the earth. God is still calling his people to sing, but now they sing a new song, a new song because it's not just for the people of Israel, but for the people of the whole world. All the earth are called to sing. See how the psalmist does it there in, the, in those first three verses. It just piles up um, imperatives calling on us to speak out, calling on God's people to speak up, sing, 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 praise, proclaim, declare. The idea is pretty simple, isn't it? Don't keep silent. Don't keep silent. And what is it we're to verbalize? Well, it is proclaim his salvation. The salvation that God has made known to all people. That is open to all people. And so we must proclaim it. Declare his glory where? Among the nations. His glory, most clearly seen as he sends his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on a cross to pay the penalty for people's sins. That glory is not just uh, for people like you, uh, wherever you happen uh, to be from. The gospel message is uh, a global message. Uh, it, is, it is one for the whole earth. It can never just be about one people group. It must be declared to all people. God's marvelous deeds will there to be declared among the nations. Great deeds um, are talked about, aren't they? When someone does something great, 
people love to talk about it. Uh, if you've, you've seen some of the tributes that have poured in this week for uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, the basketball player who tragically died in a, in a helicopter crash, people love him because of the great things that he did. That they proclaim uh, around the world that he was great, that he did marvelous things. They love to remember all that he did and to tell others uh, about it so that they would know too. Well, if that is true of one basketball player, um, how much more is it true of the Lord of all all the earth? How much more should we praise God? Should we proclaim his marvelous deeds uh, to all people everywhere? All that Jesus has done to bring uh, humanity back to him. This, uh, this proclaiming that God's people are to do, it's summed up in verse 10, and which uh, verse 10 is really the heart of the, the psalm. Look down at verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So I guess the, the Christian message essentially is a pretty simple one. It is that the Lord reigns. There is one king and one king only. And all through this psalm, we get, we get God's personal name, Yahweh, the Lord. The name that he revealed uh, to Moses uh, and to the Israelites in the desert. But, but the Lord, Yahweh, he's not just the God of one little people group. He's not just the Lord of the Israelites uh, in the wilderness. He's the Lord of all. He reigns over all. There is not one single um, inch of this planet There is not one single atom, there is not one single person who he is not king. He reigns, he is king. And so God's people are called to declare to the ends of the earth, the Lord reigns. That was was a pretty radical uh, message, I guess, in the the psalmist's day. And that would have challenged some of their assumptions, some of their prejudices um, that they would have held. Even more so, as we, as we fast forward to the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the king who rules over all. And all creation was made through him. All creation was made for him. He redeems it. He reigns over it. That's not just a message for, um, for the Jews uh, or for one uh, group of people, a certain type of person. No, it's for the nations, it's for the ends of the earth, all the people of the world. I guess as as Christians throughout history have sort of understood that, well, they've done all that they could to take the gospel, take the message of Christ to the ends of the earth, to all people. I guess uh, for lots of us, we'll have a picture in our head of what we think a missionary looks like. Um, I think lots of us um, will picture a missionary a, a little bit like James Fraser. One of the, um, one of the books on the bookstall that you can buy um, is uh, this book called Mountain Rain, which is a biography of a guy called James Fraser um, who lived about uh, just over 100 years ago. Um, James Fraser was, a, was an engineer. Um, he was an engineering student at Imperial um, with his whole, uh, whole uh, career prospects ahead of him. He was converted, became a Christian as a student uh, at Imperial. And by the age of 22... Um, he had given up all his prospects in order to travel to, to southwest China, um, into the mountains, uh, to, to proclaim to the, to the nations there, to the Lisu people, 
uh, in that part of China. The Lord reigns. I guess we can often, we can often feel isolated as, as Christians, maybe in our families, uh, if they're not Christians, or in our workplaces. Um, here's something that James Fraser wrote as he went out there with the gospel. He wrote this. Um, it seems a big responsibility to me to be the only gospel preacher within a 150-mile radius. Within a 150-mile radius, he was the only one. He was the only Christian there. That's like um, 150 miles from, from where, we're st- when we're, where we're sitting is like Sheffield. Sheffield round to Cardiff, uh, round to Exeter, and like all of, you know, part of Paris, part of France as well. It's a big, it's a big area to be the only one uh, proclaiming the gospel. He also wrote this, he wrote, I feel my weakness very much, yet the Lord seems to delight in making his power perfect in weakness. And as you read this book, and I'd, I'd recommend you buy it, it is, it is really excellent, very encouraging. It is, it is crazy what James Fraser goes through, some of the things that happened to him. But he did it, it was worth it. He did it so that he could proclaim to the nations or that one particular people group, the Lord reigns. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he give up his um, you know, rosy prospects as, as an engineer uh, at the beginning of the 20th century? Why would any of us do that? Why would any of us spend our time doing that? Why would any of our mission partners do that? Uh, lots of us will know Stan, uh, who went out to one of the stands um, uh, recently. Why, why, why? You know, he's a bright guy. Why would he go out uh, to to a country most of us couldn't point to on a map. Well, he went to proclaim why, verse four, down again at Psalm 96, why, why do it? Why is it worth doing? Verse four, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The Lord deserves to be praised. The Lord is the creator and sustainer of the whole universe, every single atom in it. He is the glorious redeemer who graciously gave his son that people could know him. He is the one who reigns with justice and righteousness. He is great. All the other things that people worship in this world are nothing compared to the Lord. He alone is to be feared. And so all our, our other gods with small g's, they are nothing. Just think about that for a minute. That includes all the religions of the world. That includes all the things that our Western uh, culture longs for, worships, works so hard to achieve. Whether that's success, comfort, He is to be feared above all gods. They are nothing. Verse six, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. See, the Lord is more magnificent than anything else in the entire universe. Forget whatever it is you're, you're sort of working towards. Forget the, the latest travel destination or um, the must-have experience. If you want to know what life is all about, it is found with the Lord. 
And I guess if, we, if we've seen something of um, the Lord's glory, how wonderful, how majestic he is, then we'll want to share that uh, with others. We'll want to say to the nations, the Lord reigns. We'll want other people uh, to hear the gospel and to have a chance to respond uh, to it themselves. It's just, it's just a, a natural, a normal part of what it is uh, to be a Christian. So how are we doing? If this is God's, uh, God's desire for his people, that they would proclaim to the nations, the Lord reigns. Um, how, how are we going? How, how's progress? Um, all these stats, it's like, depends. You can, you can read them one way or the other. It's either whether you're a half empty or a half full, um, glass half empty, glass half full kind of person. You'll hear these differently, but but here's some stats. I guess encouraging the the, the per percentage of unreached people is shrinking in the world today. So in 1900, more than half of the world's population, 54.3 percent, were unreached, were officially in an unreached people group. So there were no Bibles in their language, there were no churches, there were no believers from that people group. 90, sorry, 54. Percent. Well, today uh, or last year, 2019, that percentage has it's come down. 28.4 percent of the world's population are in an unreached people group. Now that's good progress, isn't it? But if you translate that into actual numbers, that's still 2.2 billion people uh, in our on our planet today uh, considered unreached. No Bibles in the languages. No churches that are proclaiming the gospel. No believers, no local believers showing them what it looks like to live for Jesus. Here's, here's another stat. There are more opportunities for evangelism than ever before. Christians have more opportunities. So the vast majority of people today, non-Christians today, live their lives and never interact with a Christian but again, that, num that number is shrinking as well. In 1900, um, only 5.5% of individuals in an unreached people group even knew a Christian. 5.5%. Today, 18.3%. So that's, that's a lot of opportunities. But there are still so many people who don't have that opportunity, don't even know a Christian. The task is vast, isn't it? What on earth can we do when we're faced with numbers like that? What are we supposed to do? Well, Psalm 96 would say we've got to sing. We've got to proclaim. We've got to declare among the nations and say to the nations, the Lord reigns. We'll, we'll get to some practical applications um, a bit later, but, but we've got to play our part. We've got to be part of at this glorious vision uh, that Psalm 96 gives us. Psalm 96 calls on God's people to say to the nations, the Lord reigns. And it calls on the nations to respond. The nations, uh, secondly, the nations should come and worship the one Lord. Look down at verse seven. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. 
The nations are called to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. They're called to recognize God for who he is, to give God what only God is worthy of. See, if God really is king of the whole earth, then the nations should honor him as king. Not, not sort of under duress, uh, not sort of uh, like the people of North Korea having to cheer wildly for, um, for their leader. No, but because he is great. The nations are invited to come and worship the Lord of all the earth. You see that? They're called to bring an offering, to come into his courts, to worship the Lord and to tremble before him. People sometimes think, don't, don't they, that, um, that the Old Testament is all about keeping the Gentiles out. But here, right at the heart of the Old Testament, the nations are called to come, to come into the temple itself and worship the one true God. Why is that? I mean, don't, don't the nations, haven't they got their own gods uh, to worry about? Why are they called to worship uh, the Lord? Look down again at verse five. Uh, we skipped over it before. Uh, verse five. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Sure, the nations have their, uh, their gods, but they are idols. Literally, nothing's worthless. They don't do anything for their people. They give people false hope. They cannot save. But there is a Lord who made the heavens. There is one who is able to save. I don't know what you think of that, whether that sounds harsh to you. Maybe, you know, maybe you're tempted to uh, to sort of want to lament um, the loss of indigenous uh, belief. Well, it's worth saying that the gospel always confronts every culture uh, that it comes to. Always. That's as, as true in secular Britain as it is in the Lisu, the Lisu people in southwest China or whatever. The gospel confronts but it doesn't confront it to sort of flatten culture uh, so that we're all the same to remove it altogether. It, you know, it comes to redeem culture. See, someone who, who turns to follow Christ truly becomes, um, it is as they trust in Christ and follow him that they truly become Japanese or what it is to be truly Gambian or Lisu or whatever it is. It is as they follow Christ that that happens. Back in, um, back in the book, Mountain Rain, um, as, uh, after many years of, uh, of hard graft of proclaiming with very little fruit, um, the people, some of the people began uh, to turn to Christ. And that was a hard thing for them because um, uh, at that time among those people, um, everyone in their house, they have what they, they would call a demon shelf. It was literally just a bare shelf um, in their house uh, that they would offer um, sacrifices to uh, to the spirits. So if something bad was happening, if you were in trouble, uh, you would take some of your food and you would put it on the shelf as an offering to appease the, the, the spirits in the hope that, that life would improve for you. And so when um, when some of the Lisu people uh, started becoming Christian believers, they, they, they literally tore down 
uh, those shells. Uh, they recognized that they couldn't worship those little gods. They had done nothing for years. They had done nothing for them. And now they worshiped uh, the Lord of heaven and earth. The gospel confronted their false worship, but it made them more, uh, more human. It made them more uh, of, of, of who they were, not less. We might be tempted to think, aren't we, that, that, that sort of um, the gospel going out, is it, is it just cultural um, arrogance? Is it just sort of a, a form of cultural imperialism uh, to impose on other people um, a, a, a different set of beliefs? I guess as we answer that question, we've got to acknowledge that in the past, um, uh, the whole the gospel going out was quite mixed up with um, with the whole colonial period. It was quite messy. But to write off the whole idea of proclaiming to the nations that the Lord reigns uh, because it wasn't always done brilliantly, well, that would be a mistake. Um, let me give you just two reasons I think why that would be a mistake. Firstly. Um, that, that sort of idea of cultural imperialism, it lives on, but it doesn't live on in, in the Christian missionaries. It lives on actually in the, the propagation of sort of the, the pushing of Western mor- morality uh, out into the rest of the world. What do I mean by that? Well, um, the, the civilizing mission of missionaries used to, used to sort of look like, okay, um, learn English and, um, and wear a suit and tie. Uh, that was sort of how, what the, the, the cultural imperialism looked like, wasn't it? Well, now I think it's, it's much more about conforming to a Western view of morality uh, when it comes to, to issues of, uh, of government, of sexuality, of all sorts of issues. And those who, who push those ideals um, do so with just as much uh, fervor and passion as colonial authorities uh, back in the day. That's the first thing to say. The second thing to say, and the more, more important thing to say, I think, is that um, to think that Christianity is mainly a Western religion, that's usually where people are getting that from, isn't it? An imposition of Western ideals on, uh, on other people. Well, to think that Christianity is mainly a Western worldview is to actually totally disregard um, the evidence on the ground on, in the global church uh, today. What do we mean by that? Well, today, what is it? Sunday, the 2nd of February. Um, it is almost certain that there are more Christians meeting in China, um, in church, at church in China, than in the whole of so-called Christian Europe. Almost certainly, it's hard, hard to tell exact numbers because lots of churches are underground, but almost certain that there are more Christians at church today in China than in the whole of Europe. Same thing goes for, you know, there are more Anglicans in each of Kenya, South Africa, Tanzania, and Uganda than there are Anglicans meeting in churches today in Britain, Canada, and the United States combined in each of those countries. So the, the center for, for Christianity is not, in, um, is not in the West anymore. Uh, it has moved. So in 1900, there were twice as many Christians living in Europe as in the rest of the world combined. But today, there are more Christians in Latin America far more Christians in Africa. And by 2050, uh, the number of Christians in Asia will have far outstripped uh, the number of of people who label themselves as Christians, at least in Europe. Christianity, it's true, it is barely growing um, in Europe. Um, I think the stat is 0.04% 
at growth year on year. Whereas in Asia, that's 1.89%. In Africa, 2.89%. Among the, the Lisu people that uh, James Fraser uh, went to 100 years ago, there are up to 200,000 Christian believers in that one people group uh, alone. See, to think that, that Christianity is a, is a Western um, uh, viewpoint imposed on other nations is not true. And it is an outworking. Uh, as the nations come, it is an outworking of Psalm 96. As the nations um, turn to worship the one true Lord, well, they add their voices to the song, declaring to the nations, the Lord reigns. Um, a chap, Harvey uh, Kuyani, who uh, writes uh, lots about uh, mission, uh, world mission, uh, writes this, wrote this in 2014. The typical identity of a missionary in this century, 21st century, will no longer be that of a Westerner serving in some remote area of Africa, but probably that of a Mexican, a Nigerian, or perhaps a Korean serving practically anywhere in the world. Um, Matt and Katie alluded to that. Their role as they go back to, to Kenya is to help the church there to raise up local believers to go and be missionaries uh, all throughout Southern Africa. Um, Daniel, who, um, who led the prayers earlier, um, he uh, lives and works in Gambia, but is from Ghana. He is in, Gam- in Gambia as a, as a missionary, as a cross-cultural missionary to people there. And that is the changing face of, uh, of world mission. Even in Britain, you know, we sort of think Britain is a sort of sending nation uh, when it comes to, uh, to mission. Well, even this past week in, in Britain, um, estimates put it at 15,000 foreign missionaries who are hard at work uh, trying to, uh, to proclaim the gospel to secular pagan Britain. Most of those missionaries are, are from Africa, uh, from other parts of Asia. And do, don't we need that? Don't we need that in, in London? Don't we need more workers for the harvest field? Praise God that he is raising up uh, workers to come here. Uh, Lord, send more. See, the nations uh, are called to join in this song, uh, to proclaim to the other nations, even our nation, the Lord reigns. The nations join the song, but but as the psalm closes, um, it reminds us that this song of praise, it goes much beyond even uh, humanity. It's much bigger uh, than just uh, you and me. Uh, Briefly then, uh, very briefly. um, Number three, all creation should rejoice in the Lord who will come. Verse 11, look down at Psalm 96 again. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. See, God is so great. God is so worthy of praise that that praise overflows uh, to the whole of creation. This is no sort of dirgy uh, song. It's a new drone. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a song of praise as creation joins, as it rejoices resoundingly, as it's jubilant, as it sings for joy. Why, why this picture of creation joining the song? Well, because the Lord is coming. 
Jesus will return. He will make everything new. He will release creation from its bondage and he will judge the peoples of this earth. Judge not only in the sense of, of punishing wrongdoing, although it will include that, but judge in the sense of rule and reign uh, over the earth fully and finally. So that on that day, all of God's people from every tribe and tongue and nation uh, will sing his praise together. Do you see that as a song worth uh, joining in? That is a song worth uh, declaring to the nations. So if that's what we should do, if, if you've been convinced, Psalm 96, that we should be part of uh, this declaring to the nations, what are we supposed to do? Let me just uh, wrap up with a few um, very practical um, applications. The first thing we can do is pray. Pray. The task um, is huge. However you look at the stats, the task is huge. It's far from finished. But we have a, a, a God who rules, who reigns over the whole earth. And nothing is impossible for him. He can do more than all we ask or imagine. And James Fraser again uh, in Mountain Rain, I believe it will only be known on the last day how much has been accomplished in missionary work by the prayers of earnest believers at home. What I covet more than anything else is earnest believing prayer. But maybe you're not going to go. Um, maybe you'll never um, uh, leave the UK again. Maybe none of us will ever be able to, if you've got a UK passport, maybe none of us will ever be able to leave the UK again. I don't know. <laughs> but you can pray. Uh, you can pray fervently, earnestly, that the Lord would, uh, would, would send out workers, would proclaim that we would proclaim the Lord reigns. And why not uh, pick up a few of those uh, prayer cards that Phil was talking about earlier and really commit uh, to praying for some of our mission partners. Use the cards. And there's also, um, I've discovered this week as I was preparing, um, it's always nice when the application of a sermon is an application. Um, I've got on my phone a little application, which is um, it's called Unreached of the Day. Um, uh, Unreached of the Day. It's an it's a app that... Um, uh, I think Joshua Project to put together. And it, basically every day it pops up a different unreached people group. Um, and it gives you a little bit of information. Uh, today is the Ad Drami in India. Population just over a million. A percentage of Christians, not 0.34. Gives you a little bit of background and some things to pray. Um, you, can, you can hit praying. And, and it adds another one. Thank you for joining us in prayer. And it, and it counts it up. <laughs> so currently there are 1,187 people praying for this people group. That's great. That's been an encouragement to me and my family uh, as we try and pray. How do we pray? Um, unreached of the day. There you go. Uh, what else? We can pray. We can give. We can give. Um, CCM is, is committed to giving a, a, a good chunk of our budget. Um, so keep giving to, to church. Um, why not, um, in addition to that, why not give uh, directly uh, to a mission partner, maybe someone that you know. Uh, there are ways, uh, ways and means of doing that. Uh, do you speak to someone uh, on the mission support group? Um, Liz, who um, was up earlier, if you want to know more about that. And go. There is still a huge need uh, for people to go. Um, so why not? Why not consider going? I don't know if you've been, if you've been here uh, these past few weeks with the Don't Waste Your Life series. Don't let that pass without thinking and praying hard. Would the Lord have me Go. 
Another way, a, a bit closer to home that you can go, um, is uh, a group called Gospel Conversations. Uh, it's a group that goes out every couple of weeks uh, to the parks nearby and just tries to strike up conversations uh, with whoever uh, is passing through uh, Gospel Conversations, trying to uh, speak to them of Jesus. The vast majority of people uh, that they bump into in the park are from the nations, um, are from all over the world. Uh, what a glorious opportunity right on our doorstep uh, to go uh, to the nations. You can even be back in time uh, for the 6 p.m. service. Uh, if you want to know more about that, um, do speak to Nick uh, or to Christian uh, and um, uh, they'll tell you more. I guess for all of us, uh, just, just by a dint of living in London, uh, the, the nations are on our doorsteps. And there are 270 nationalities uh, in London. How many people groups? I don't know. But 270 nations just in this city. Why not commit to praying for, uh, for your overseas colleagues? Um, maybe you, um, you work with someone from uh, the Middle East. Uh, probably uh, one of the, the people groups that never meet a Christian. What if you're the one uh, Christian they meet in their whole lives as they're here for, I don't know, six months or however long it might be? Pray that God would help you to use the most of those opportunities to declare to the nations the Lord reigns. For now, our job is, is to say to the nation, the Lord reigns. One day, one day we'll sing together uh, with the nations. Here's a glorious picture in, uh, in Revelation 7 as we close. Revelation 7 on that final day. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, nation, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let's pray together. Father, we long for that day. We long for that day when we will stand before your throne with countless people from every tribe and tongue and nation and proclaim your glory, sing your praise together. Father, in the meantime, please help us to be those who, who proclaim to the nations, who say to the nations, the Lord reigns. Father, thank you that you are great and worthy of that praise. Father, would you help us to see ways in which we can do that, ways in which we can go and we can pray and we can give that your name might be proclaimed among the nations. For your glory we pray. Amen.